Yes. What? You don't say. You don't say. You don't say. Who was it? Tony Gill. What is your take on the chocolate chip cookies? Chocolate chip, overrated. Wow. The secret uh, flavor cookie that is coming up in the world is oatmeal raisin. You would prefer a bucket of oatmeal raisin cookies to a bucket of chocolate chip? Absolutely. What did you say? I'm back. Hold on to your butts. And Davis' show, and uh, right now we're joined by the one, the only, Tony Gill, podcast producer for NBC Sports Chicago, and also the reason he's here today, he's the host of Sports Uncovered. This particular episode is Michael Jordan, I'm back, and he details the return of Mike, particularly from first the practices with GSW, the Golden State Warriors at that time, and then coming back to the Bulls and how it affected us in Chicago when we start to first start hearing about it. Follow him at the Tony Gill. How you doing today, Tony? What's up, fellas? What's going Glad on, bro? Here. Man, yeah, thanks a lot for having me. What's up, stranger? Don't <laughs> stop right. picking on Tony Ken. What's up, stranger? Long time, man. You know, like these don't work, right? All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Eat my, ate, ate my food. Hey, I guess you're eating other people's food now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I moved on to better victuals on your ass. All right. I see how, I see how it is now. I see how it is. See how it is. <laughs> Moving With on up. Gig, I, can, I can afford to go uh, grocery shopping a little bit. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> I got you. But uh, look, all right, Tony, so like one, uh, let's start off. With, what was the impetus of you creating this? Like, uh, and, well, let me ask you this. Let's go all the way back. So for anybody that doesn't know, Tony, Ryan, you see that R right there. I don't know if it pops up when we put this out, but our executive producer, Ryan, is on here with us. Uh, Tony was actually uh, important in deciding if uh, who our next ex- executive producer was, and we kind of made, we brainstormed, and we, we figured it was Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tony was our executive producer prior to this. And anytime, a lot of times if you hear us and saw us in different lanes, we wouldn't have never been there without the assist and help of Tony. Um, I wanted to go back, Tony, because this is stuff, when it comes to Michael Jordan, that happened really before you were sentient. Like, you, you know, the second 3P happened when you were alive, but you may have been like three. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now that you've come back to all this information, and one thing that I've always argued with you about was the information is out there, but if someone doesn't give it to you on this easy poo-poo platter, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not going to look for it. Forget the Googles, right? How has all this uh, Jordan... Uh, uh, nostalgia changed your thoughts. Where were you at before with Mike? Because he was a player that you didn't see in his prime. And also, it's not that you didn't see him and you were an athlete growing up, but there was not, not as much context exactly to what was going on as we've seen from the last dance. So how has your thoughts when it comes to those Bulls and Michael Jordan changed from, let's just say, last dance coming out? Um, how has it changed? Well, I think that um learning all of these stories and all of these different uh, opinions about uh, Michael is kind of universal about 
just the respect that he got from his peers uh, that in a way isn't like any of the people in the conversation, like LeBron, Kobe, um, and others, where it seems like other players were willing to lay down for Michael to a certain degree, like, oh, yeah, Mike, you got it. I mean, you got this one. And that's something that you don't see across any sport, especially a super egotistical sport like basketball where an individual can influence the outcome of a game. Um, that's that's That type of uh, praise and adoration goes to, you know, Michael. Uh, and I think that having the proper context on what went on during the 90s having a, before doing all this, a generic view of why they broke up, how they broke up, but now having the details with The Last Dance and all the research that we had to do for uh, the Sports Uncovered series on why Mike left and stuff like that and his impact uh, just globally uh, on the game, you really get the knowledge of Michael was the first of the mega athlete superstar uh, internationally. Uh, and he kind of birthed the rest of the guys that came after him. Everybody was learning how to deal with a international star with Michael. The NBA was learning on the fly. Uh, you know, the rest of the world was learning what to do with this American black bald man <laughs> um, in terms of their uh, culture as well, because Michael impacted other countries' cultures as well. If, if people routinely, uh, you know, visit other countries and you'll hear stories where they, the, the language barrier is there, but they, once they notice that you're from America, they're like Michael Jordan. Like, I mean, the, everybody's first uh, athletic experience or greatest athletic experience. Uh, it seems like it's been with, it, it's been directed at Michael. Uh, and so learning all of those stories, learning all of that context uh, provided a, a, a great foundation to tell uh, the story that we told with, uh, with uh, the I'm Back uh, documentary podcast. Dean Davis, right now we have Tony Gill, host of Sports Uncovered, Michael Jordan, I'm Back podcast. Subscribe, make sure you rate it. Uh, go out and listen to it. It is done very well. Tony does a narration and knowing he did him, he did all the production also. So this is his baby. Tony, how long did this take for you to put together? Uh, once I had all the interviews uh, and, and all the necessary pieces, it took me about a week. Mm. Um, and that's just working on that exclusively because I do have uh, daily podcasts that, you know, with Bears, Bulls, Cubs, like all of our different uh, podcasts at, on the NBC Sports Chicago Network. Um, I had to pass those off to somebody else and strictly focus on uh, creating this uh, for an entire week. So I was just kind of in, in the zone. Uh, I had to voice track uh, a lot all of it uh, basically in a, in a kind of makeshift studio in my closet. <laughs> so, because I didn't, you know, cause of the, the pandemic, um, I can, I, I didn't have any way to get to a studio. Uh, our studios were closed. Um, all the, my connections to different studios <laughs> were all closed. They were like, nah, fam. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I kind of had to, you know, do it, do it on the fly and kind of um, just kind of, do the best with what I could do uh, and kind of put all I had into trying to make this as, as best sounding as possible. I haven't worked on anything as big as this before. 
uh, in my entire career so far. And hopefully there's, you know, more to come and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm grateful for this opportunity that they kind of entrusted me with. When, uh, when I first got started at NBC Sports in December, um, they had already plans on doing this. Uh, mm. They already had a couple interviews in the can. Mm. Uh, my first day was actually uh, Tim Hardaway giving us the golden nugget of the Bulls, uh, I mean, of uh, the Warriors having Michael Jordan interrupt their practice for two days. That 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 was my very first day. So uh, then it just kind of branched off from there in terms of following the leads that went on that. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it took a week, it, it, a lot of long nights uh, trying to figure out copyrights, permissions, like all of that stuff goes into it. So uh, yeah, it, it took a while, but uh, it was it was a fun process putting all that together. Tony, just uh, sticking on the actual process of making a pod, what was a uh, what was uh, the your most favorite part of putting together? Is there anything that kind of stick out, or your favorite part of putting everything together, uh, a certain section of the podcast? Yeah, uh, the the actual part that we're uncovering, the Golden State Warrior practices. Uh, that's the 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 key piece throughout the whole uh, kind of podcast documentary, and I really wanted to have fun with that. Uh, really want to if if you when I make something, I make something uh, in terms of a long term piece. I like to make it for the headphone podcast listener. Uh, and not really so much the person that's playing it. You can play it on your speaker, but you won't get the little nuances that I that I throw in there, um, kind of subtly, uh, without using you know the headphones. Uh, it's it's a different experience uh, listening when you're in a car on your you know on your speaker or in in your headphones. And I did that on purpose uh, because I wanted to make it sound or have you notice something new every time you listen to it or you go back uh, and listen to it and kind of just make it as evergreen as possible. So when you listen to it one time in a certain way, it won't be the same as when you listen to it uh, with your headphones or when you're in your car, you'll notice something different. And uh, that's kind of like my style when I, when I put this together. So uh, when I made that specific session, and I don't want to give too much away, mm -hmm. uh, but when I made that specific uh, section of the podcast, it, it, that was the most fun Re having uh, the uh, Rod Higgins and Chris Mullen and Tim Hardaway uh, announce that story and how it went and how Michael dominated those practices to their, uh, to their own testimonies was, was probably the, the best part for me uh, when I was putting that, uh, putting that together. D.N. Davis right here with us, Tony Gill. Make sure you follow Tony on Twitter at TheTonyGill, host of Sports Uncovered, Michael Jordan episode, episode one. I'm back, all right? Um, now, you have worked on other previous, I would think, groundbreaking podcast. You get the Between the, between the line, Headlines. Behind uh, the Headlines. Behind the Headlines. I'm sorry. Behind the Headlines. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> behind the Headlines when I was just using <laughs> we use a 670 score. Did you draw back on any uh, on that experience or putting uh, putting that pod together and, uh, and, and merging that into this pod? Uh, yeah. Um, at the time when we were doing uh, Behind the Headlines, I had no experience with any long form pieces at all. Um, again, I was, you know, I'm a radio guy originally. So like the longest, you know, sound pieces I've made were like, I mean, the Dean Davis show demo <laughs> was probably the longest <laughs> of my career so far. Uh, and that was what, only about what, two minutes or two, so? three minutes. Yeah. yeah. Two, three minutes. And that, yeah. that's a, because in radio, you know, you got to get in and out uh, of certain breaks and stuff like that. So developing a 30 minute 
uh, or nine 30 minute episodes mm-hmm. uh, was, was daunting for a person that's never done it. So uh, I had to use, uh, I had to go back and listen to other people that have done it. Uh, and, and they were asking me when they were other regional sports networks that will be coming after us, Boston, they got their episode coming out next Thursday uh, on Sports Uncovered. Uh, they were asking, you know, how, how do you develop it? I was like, man, I, I listen to Serial. I listen to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, um, Revisionist History. Uh, all the long-form podcasts, I listen to those religiously uh, so I know what I'm doing. So I know, so I can have a at least a framework of, on how the, the pros do it. Uh, and, and I try and emulate it and also input my own style on what I want heard and what I want expressed. And so you know it's a Tony Gill joint uh, when, you, when you listen to it. So um, I had to lean back on that. Um, and then also I think I've gotten better because I had all of that experience with behind the headlines of working with Julie, learning, you know, how to, how to write a script, how to put together a script, how to narrate, how to, uh, uh, use voice inflection and, and, and making sure my voice doesn't overpower anything that I want to present. All of that goes into it. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely had to lean onto my prior knowledge and the, the things that I've picked up on, uh, since then. Real quick, so I was thinking today, and I don't know if I was thinking it because of this podcast, and I mentioned it on Dean Davis, probably the flip or the show. Uh, so I was thinking today about um, Latrell's free row, and I'm going to get into Latrell in a minute. And I was at Six Flags Great America, and uh, I don't know what we were getting on. I don't think it was the Batman, but I was uh, I was about 30 to 40 yards away from Latrell's free row. And I'd already seen him. You know how at Six Flags you go around and around or whatever. But we're one of those places where there's nobody in between us, and he's about 30 or 40 yards all the way that way. The trail Sprewell looks at me and goes, and I, and I look at him and I go, and this is the reason. This now, wait, 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 everybody out there who's listening to us, Ken doesn't do anything. He just gives, just, just looks at the trail. Thank you, D. I appreciate it. I, I was not, not going to reciprocate his head nod. The National Black Classic Hello. Davis, and I ain't going to say nothing. No, it wasn't. It actually wasn't. This actually wasn't. I'm going to tell you why, though. I'm going to tell you why. He gives up the head nod, though. That's, that's the thing. But not when he doesn't like you. When he no, like but you. see, the problem is I loved him. See, this is the issue. So, being a kid growing up in the 90s, Jordan retires. Mm-hmm. We're playing live 95, live whatever, or if just as it transitions from Bulls, whoever the Bulls won't beat in the finals, to live. So, when I'm starting my teams, I'm always starting off. Latrell's my shooting guard, right? I'm talking back point spree days. Like, Latrell's my shooting guard, really. Reggie's, Reggie's my, my three, and we'll get to your Reggie to Spain at the end of this interview. <laughs> but the thing is, Latrell's free well from to go from – uh, what happened with P.J. Carlissimo to the Knicks to get to the finals as the eighth seed, then actually go and, and play with him and Sam Cassell and help uh, help Kevin Garnett get as far as he could uh, into the uh, not to the finals, but into the Western Conference Finals and losing to those Lakers teams with Carl Malone and uh, Gary Payton joining Shaq and Kobe. When Luttrell came back and was like, man, that's not enough money to, uh, to feed my kids, as a fan of his, it upset me. Right. Because that's how much of a fan of his I was. I wish I had had not of him because he was he was he was giving me a lot of love. And I don't, it's like he knew I loved him. Just gave you some brother, <laughs> some brother love too. some. Brother it was love. a lot of brothers out there. But he looked around. <laughs> and this was like tan dreads uh, Latrell. But anyway, this is what I want to get to getting back. There was on the show right now on the show. We have Tony Gill. Uh, make sure you follow him at the Tony Gill. We're talking right now about his sports uncovered. Uh, Michael Jordan. I'm back. Also, real quick, Tony, will you host more sports uncovered coming out of Chicago moving forward? Uh, no. Um, every uh, regional sports network is responsible for an episode. Chicago mm-hmm. was the first one. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and we won't have another episode until season two. Okay. Uh, that that season two, I think, is coming out around holiday season sometime. Um, but yeah, uh, actually, Mike Tarico is actually hosting. He's going to be the most consistent voice. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. You were host. He opened for you. How did it feel to have Mike Tarico open for you? That was one of my questions. Let's get that out the way real quick. He wasn't hosting my brother. You was hosting. My, let me give you like the hands right. He was hosting my brother. But anyway, to get to the trail, because when I first started listening to this, I'm like, wait. Uh, and, um, we had heard he came back and played GSW, but I really didn't think about the years. And I'm like, wait, this is like Latrell third year. Like Latrell was Latrell coming into this now. What were some of the things that Latrell, if you if you had found out, was saying to get Mike so amped up to come at him? Because at that point with Tim Hardaway, uh, Tim Hardaway wasn't Tim Hardaway at this point. This is Tim Hardaway with the injuries and finally trying to get back to stay healthy. This team was transitioning to being Latrell's team, basically. What was was there anything? Did anybody say anything, particularly what Latrell may have said to get under Mike's skin, or was it just Mike being Mike? Uh, this was a situation where Mike was me and Mike, Mike was looking for a fight, if if I can use that uh, phrasing. Uh, he called up Rod Higgins. He went to the Bay uh, on his own accord. Um, after the baseball lockout, uh, Mike didn't, he didn't have anything to do. Uh, he wasn't going to go back to baseball. And as we know of, as since the last dance has come out, Mike, especially that was peak physical, you know, prime Mike, uh, he, he needed something to do outside of, you know, the normal gambling that, <laughs> that he was known to do. Whoa, what the hate. <laughs> Real quick. Let me interject with something you just said. Cause two things I didn't say, that's not totally peak prime Mike one. And I want to go back to something you said earlier. The first probably worldwide athlete was Muhammad Ali. But please continue. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, so Mike went to ride and, and wanted to participate. I don't know if it was anything on – I think Latrell just may have been a casualty of what Mike was trying to prove to himself uh, in those practices. And that was a really weird time. You mentioned that was a transition uh, period for the Warriors. They weren't – the individuals were good, but the team wasn't good. Uh, and uh, I, I guess maybe Don Nelson, and that was one thing that, uh, uh, that I do regret. We were on schedule to talk to Don Nelson in Hawaii at his marijuana farm. I was about to say, you know who's – I'm going to tell you what he came in and do. <laughs> but the, but the, the pandemic shut all that down. So maybe we'll get him on later uh, to discuss some Bulls talk. But, um, but that team wasn't good. And uh, – they. Rod and Chris Mullen made made a point to say that uh, Latrell and Tim, they didn't get along. Uh, they were fighting for control of the team. So uh, having Mike in there may have been a good way to kind of shake things up, maybe rally the troops for them uh, to come together to, you know, to, to beat Michael. But that ended up not being the case, and Michael just dominated the, the entire practice. Dominate the, dominate the practice, probably. He came back and dominated the entire league, too, eventually. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony, uh, also, too, behind the headlines, make sure you go about everybody go out there and subscribe to that. Uh, definitely on iTunes and everywhere else. Julie DeCaro, Tony Gill, great podcast there. Uh, you said, I believe before we start the interview, you said that you talked to Amar Rashad when you uh, interviewed him. How was that interview? Uh, listen, he's a, a legend, right, uh, in broadcasting in general, in journalism in general, especially for African-Americans. You're going for somebody who's a former player, uh, to a uh, journalist himself. How was it uh, interviewing Amar Rashad, one of Michael Jordan's closest friends? Um, it was uh, it was difficult to get Amar. <laughs> Actually, uh, in the beginning, we we got him later on um, in the process. Like I'm talking maybe two months ago or a month ago. 
um, before, you know, we actually put pen to paper and uh, sound together. So uh, he came in near near the end of the of the process. But uh, I'm glad that we waited and he finally came on to talk to us. Um, Amal was very open, you know, about his you know relationship with uh, Michael. And one interesting thing is nobody really bothers him about it. Um, usually when you're a broadcaster, you, I mean, you gotta be objective. You gotta, you know, do all, he was befriending Michael Jordan and in Michael's inner circle on a regular basis as a broadcaster. And that's like frowned upon now. So Mm -hmm. having that perspective and that insight with Michael, because he was so close and also being a broadcaster was, uh, was an aspect that I I felt that we needed for, to help tell this story. Um, And we, there's a uh, there's a section in the podcast where the first game he comes back he's in his own separate locker room uh, and only two people were in there at that time and we got a chance to talk to both of them uh the Bulls photographer and Ahmad Rashad uh so we we got that picture set up for uh the people that are listening to the podcast on how before he played his first game uh coming back how that scene was uh and uh, Ahmad was great uh, in, in telling his stories the infamous Marcus Square game when at, at like a minute and three in, you was like, "Oh, Mike is about to play like he he's he's gonna shoot he's gonna shoot he's off tonight." Listen, that first game like back seven for seven for twenty one. It was like, like Mike gonna put up thirty five shots like out the street, right? Yeah. Like off the street. Yeah, we had to we had to rewatch that game, and I was like. You know, oh, he was I, like because because like um, one thing that we weren't allowed to put in there because the NBA shut it down was uh, that um, if you listen to the entire the, the entire game from start to finish, uh, Bob Costas did this epic monologue at the be- at the beginning uh, of that game where he's talking about the uh, Michael returning and the artist is is returning to his mm-hmm. canvas and it was just beautiful and then mike comes out and then the bulls they start that game off like the missing was, the first 10 shots and it was just like ooh, dude it was, it was rough that first game until was the madison square game no no i can't remember what happened first if he hit the shot on steve smith to beat atlanta or the Madison Square game. But until those took place, that's when we finally started being like, okay. I think it was a yeah, Steve Smith shot. Be all right. yeah. yeah, it was like, and you still knew he wasn't going to be right. That's why they lost to to the Magic. You knew he wasn't right because his body wasn't right for playing baseball. But I'm telling you, that first Market Square game, man, it was like, man, I'm happy he back, but baby, I don't know about this. <laughs> but look, all right, Ben Davis with Tony Gill. Uh, one thing I did want to know, and I don't know if you that you if you got in this detail. Getting back to the GSW uh, practices or whatever, when as far as Mike really going, because I focus more on Mike going at Spree Road and Tim Hardaway because people don't understand how explosive Tim Hardaway was, and that was taken from him from injuries. But he went on because I think at that time he may have only been an All Star three to four times there. He was a five time All Star. He was at least an All Star once when he was at Miami, and initially when he got to Miami, Pat Riley was really going to go after Gary Payton, but Tim Hardaway played so well. He didn't go after Gary Payton just to give everybody context of it or whatever, even though they probably would have been a better team. But looking at him going at Spree, did they say that he played Spree? Like, did he defend and go at Spree? Or was this because Mike maybe didn't have his win? He was just giving them all offense. That's one thing that stuck out to me and listened to this podcast. From what Rod Higgins was saying, um, it seems like it wasn't just on the, the, the offensive end. Um, that he just overall just overwhelmed Spree once Mike got into once he got warmed up, um, and and Tim when he, uh, when he was saying like Mike only wanted 
uh, Chris Mullen on his team, and he took the bench players, and it was kind of like what Jimmy did uh, to, to Minnesota to that degree, except Mike did a lot of the scoring. Um, he just uplifted the, the regular guys that were on the team uh, and, and just kind of just dismantled what Latrell thought he was. Uh, and, and at that point, again, like I said before, that team wasn't good. They had a lot of is- internal issues and internal strife and struggle with uh, who's going to be leading the team and stuff like that or whatever, whatever. Um, but, again, the individuals of, the, of that group w- was still pretty good. But uh, when Michael came to, to that practice, um, again, it, it was a on-purpose reason why Michael did that. And it was to, okay, I hear a lot about this Latrell Sprewell kid. Um, I need to match. He's supposed to be the next up-and-coming two-guard. Are they, Is this up-and-coming generation putting as much work as I would do? if I was playing or when I was playing, are they taking this as serious uh, as I am? Uh, And if I can dominate him, I think I can come back and still dominate the NBA. And that's what happened. First of all, put some respect on my Miami Heat great Ronnie Cycli's name. (laughs) All right. He did did grab Ronnie, didn't he? All right. Yeah, he had Ronnie. I think Ronnie come from like real money, like Onassis money almost. So you put some respect (laughs) with the the nice, the nice girl. Syracuse, Syracuse, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, Real quick. um, One thing, too. With Tim Hardaway, and one thing of people that don't know, Tim Hardaway grew up in Chicago, and Tim Hardaway actually being a player that they didn't have AAU back in those days, but they had the shoe camps, decided to stop going to them because he felt the competition in the summertime in Chicago was greater. And he used to play against Jordan, even when he was a pro, but even when he was in high school and stuff, being what they would be at IITT or uh, the University of Chicago, did he compare Jordan in the 80s to the Jordan that came out of – he wasn't out of retirement then, but in 94 that started practicing them and had been playing baseball for a year and a half. Did he compare – were there any comparisons to where he was back when he grew up in Chicago playing against him to where he was playing as a guy coming out of retirement or almost coming out of retirement? No, to Tim, it's like – I guess for him, it was just all Michael. Like, what, what, I mean, what, what's the measuring stick? Here's Michael, you know, here's everybody else. And then Michael comes back and he's here and here's still everybody else. Like, I mean, he's still dominant. Like, the, the, the ways uh, that Michael, Michael dominated was, you know, different, I guess, you know, athletically. You know, obviously he's an older player. He played a lot of basketball up, up to that point. I mean, won three straight championships. Um, but, again, if Michael is already the best player – in the world, uh, and if he drops off a, a bit, but is still the best, obviously the best player in the world, I don't think it makes a difference to anybody that's still, you know, below that level because it, you're still losing to him. You're still not as good as uh, as he was. So when he's describing his practices and he's describing uh, what the league was like when he came back, uh, they they fully expected for him to continue to win and dominate, and that's what Mike did when he came back. It goes back to your point on how everybody see Michael Jordan and just bow down. Tony Gill right here with his Dean and Davis show. Uh, his podcast producer down at NBC Sports Chicago also covers the Chicago Bulls. Uh, talking about Sports Uncovered, Michael Jordan, I'm back, episode, episode one. Uh, Tony, so obviously I said the episode is about Michael Jordan coming back, and I am, uh, I am back. Uh, we talked about the facts. That was one of the big uh, points of the podcast. It's the simple facts, and that coming out saying, I'm back. Uh, and as you said before, you're younger, you never, you, you didn't experience this. So, trying to give us your 
your feelings about this or feelings when you first hearing these stories about a simple fax machine, no email back in the day, nothing like that. Uh, no tweet, no Twitter, anything like that, but a simple fact saying I'm back. Just talk about how you received that when you putting all this together. Um, apparently this was a big deal to everybody at the t- at the time. <laughs> so, um, be- because I'm I'm used to Twitter and Facebook and social media and instant uh, news and, and and having that you know right away with the rolls bombs and and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, to have I, I, in order to create the scenario in the podcast where it was of importance and it did have meaning and it it did resonate worldwide that Michael was coming back. Uh, I wanted to, with the, you know, with the music, with the sound effects, and I wanted to make it as grandiose as possible uh, to put people that were there uh, that do remember that time to have that feeling like they were back there and remembering when they heard that, you know, either on the news or somebody, one of their friends where you're like, Hey, you, you heard Michael's coming back. You're like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I really want to put people back in that moment, uh, to create that, that, that feeling of excitement, knowing that everybody's favorite player, uh, the best player, the best athlete in the world was coming back, uh, to like Bob Costas to his canvas. The artist was coming back to his canvas to, to recreate the magic, uh, that, he did in the in the early 90s real quick it's funny because i can remember the rumors when he started start showing up in the practice and you go over this in detail uh in in this podcast uh but i think the thing was i think we were kind of we kind of knew he was coming back but we didn't know it was facts until that game was skipped when pippen put up his jordan yeah. and pointed at the shoe and said like this that's when it was official because you knew pip wouldn't be playing like that it was like oh it's on it's finally on it's on uh but look it's real quick so this is one thing that uh, crossed my mind too. Uh, is there any footage or photos of MJ in uh, the city jersey that you have uncovered or anything like that? As far as when he was in these Golden State warmups in uh, <laughs> 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 uh, no, uh Unfortunately, we, we tried to reach out to uh, the Warriors equipment manager, who's still there, by the mm. way. Mm. Um, we tried to reach out to him, uh, but we couldn't get a hold of him like in time to kind of make it work. Uh-huh. Uh, to, to kind of figure out if anybody took pictures. But, Don, I mean, Don, he he shut down practice and closed down media access for those days that Michael was there. <laughs> so that's why it was kind of underreported. We found a couple of newspaper clippings, a couple of stories uh, that say, oh, Michael was in, you know, Oakland, you know, with the Warriors or something like that. But nothing of note and no, nothing that anybody took seriously because Don Nelson shut down all media access for, for days. And that's – you can't do that now. Like in the NBA, if, yeah. you, if you can shut down, maybe you can have one closed door practice uh, a week, maybe, maybe. I got to look at the rules, but closing a practice to the media, it, it, that's illegal now. You can't, you can't do that in the NBA. For him to do that, uh, to have it as secret as, as it was, um, it, 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 that was crazy. So uh, we tried to get uh, that their equipment guy on, but we couldn't do it. I think NBC Bay Area, they may, we suggested that they reach out and do an interview with them. So look out for that. NBC Bay Area will share it on our social media, NBC Sports Chicago. But uh, I think that's uh, something that they are looking for uh, in terms of an interview to do coming up. Dan Davis with Tony Gill, host of this episode of Sports Uncovered. Michael Jordan, I'm back. Mike Tarico, uh, kid. 
No, you're not. Uh, <laughs> you can say it. I know you got to do that. I got you, brother. <laughs> you're, the, you're the first. In, you're the first host. Put it like that. I thought he was gonna keep talking. He didn't. So I'm gonna go with you. <laughs> um, you know what? This is one thing that, that stood out to me. Let's just say Mike came back and didn't play so well against Golden State or slash the backcourt of Tim Hardaway and Latrell Sprewell. Do you think he would have then went on to go and start practices with the Bulls? Or did it matter he was on this trajectory regardless because the lockout that took place in baseball and he was going to end up coming back to basketball? That's an interesting question. And uh, my dad asked me that. And he, uh, he, he mentioned that he thought Mike was coming back regardless. Uh, after obviously after all that, and then he listened to the podcast. But I got I got to agree. I think Mike was on his way back. Um, this was this stop in Golden State was like a test for him. And as we know now, even if he didn't dominate Latrell and Latrell held that on Mike, you think Mike was gonna let that ride? Good pass. Like, he was going back just for that. No, right? No, he will. He would have uh, uh, held on to that uh, for as long as possible, and and. and Still went to the Birdo, still came back as he normally would, I think. Uh, but he would have held that in every game that they would have played Golden State. And obviously, they only play him two times uh, a season. Or going forward, every time he would have been matched up with Latrell Sprewell, he would have been out to kill him. Right. Uh, and that would just would have been another story in the Last Dance documentary if, if, if that was the case. Man, listen, I'll, you know what? Something just popped in my head, but I forgot. I was thinking about Michael Jordan's contract, but I was going to ask you, Tony, did anybody ask uh, Tim Hardaway if they were ever try, if they was trying to recruit Mike to come play with them in Golden State? But I think he was selling a contract with the Bulls. He was. He had one he more year. His contract one no, more actually, year, right? he had two more. He had the year when he came back and played the 17 games, he was under contract. And the, the following four year, year, he was right? under, yeah, he was under okay. contract. Now, I was just thinking, like, I'm, I wonder, even if the conversation is happening, did, did, did Tim Hardaway even say anything like that? Like, man, you should play with us. I mean, you're talking about the greatest nerdiness ever coming back. Yeah, no, no. I mean, they they understood what his contract situation was. Mm-hmm. Um, he he, the Bulls still had his rights. Mm-hmm. So even if he wanted to come back, and if he wanted to play for the Warriors, he would have had to ask for a trade. Trade, yeah. Uh, which they would have probably asked for Tim and Latrell anyway. So <laughs> right, and they, they definitely, they definitely. Yeah, would. So uh, yeah. it, it it wouldn't have mattered. Look, let me ask you this: After uh, MJ beat Sprewell. Has there been any evidence that you've uncovered to show that this fester with Latrell Sprewell for so long that a, a couple of seasons later he wrapped his hands around the neck of his <laughs> his coach PJ Carlissimo at the time? Uh, unfortunately, no. Okay. And again, Don Nelson and Latrell were the two people that we definitely want to get to. We know where Latrell is, but we don't know how he's doing. I hope he's doing okay. Um, I haven't heard when we researched. But, I mean, nothing, nothing like. You would think he'd at least doing all the smoke podcasts. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> oh, wow! Because he got the dreadlocks, he got to be doing. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, hopefully he's doing all right. Um, I haven't heard anything or anything about him uh, in in recent years, so that's why he's kind of going ghost. Uh, outside of that, that one was that a that chicken commercial? I know how Ken hates black athletes and. And chicken. <laughs> he was in a, wait a minute, he was in a chicken commercial? <laughs> he was, yeah, really, like about two weird. years ago or something. I forgot. I think it was I a Buffalo. Like, yeah, he was. He was. was. He mean mugged some kid or something. Over some yeah, kid. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what I happened. don't remember the last one. time I seen Latrell's pre well. So, uh, so hopefully he's doing fine. But, uh, but yeah, like, I, I, I don't think uh, this had anything to do with uh, him choking out PJ. Okay. Was, there any, was there anybody else y'all wanted to get? 
Anybody else that y'all didn't get? Well, of course, Michael. Get? But you know. well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that was that was tough. Um, but I mean, in in our in our interviews, like throughout the week during the Last Dance stuff, we talked to a lot of people uh, on Bulls Talk. Uh, former play Craig Hodges, Jason Caffey, uh, Scott Williams, Will Purdue, obviously, and Kendall Gill. Like a lot of people shared their stories with us uh, through the Bulls. So if you didn't get enough of of that era, we just had a full slew of interviews this last month that can help paint that picture of what it was like being a teammate of Michael or going against Michael. All right, last one. So, and you, you already know because you tried to change it because it was Michael Red, then it changed to Clay Thompson. <laughs> so now I guess you finally gained a little bit more respect for Reggie Miller, who you've disgraced for the majority of your life. Uh, I mean, After yes. seeing that Mike put him in the penultimate episode of his documentary. I mean, look, if Reggie's your man's, that's your man's. He, I mean... Look, I'm not gonna fight this with people. He's just not. He, he's he, not he ain't your man. He not like, your man. Better nah. versions of him already. Like I'm not gonna reverse it. So you know, I just okay. I, I definitely want to check out. So uh, was Pip thrown under the bus? And what about the Zeke lie? Uh, as far as the All Star, uh, not the All Star, the Olympic team. Real quick, T. You should listen to our David Robinson episode. I mean, it's the most downloaded episode in Bulls Talk history because pe- people want to know what the other players thought. And David was really honest about what happened. Uh, with Isaiah and gave reasoning for why people didn't like Isaiah. So uh, they just didn't like him, man. They, they did not like him. And I don't, I don't get why they had to lie about it. Uh, that's weird. Uh, especially Michael. Like, he hated everybody. And it would have been – once we found out he was lying, you know, about Isaiah, I was like, eh, whatever. I mean, Mike hates everybody. So, um, yeah, that was that – was, I mean, a lot of people have told stories about that. But the fact is they just didn't want Isaiah on the team. There you go. All right, Tony Gill, podcast producer, NBC, uh, NBC Sports Chicago right here. Follow him on Twitter, at the Tony Gill. Thanks, T.